Alberto. Hi, Joe. Here we are. Fancy, fancy seeing you two here. Yeah, how did you get here? Four. There's the unicorn. All right. So There's the unicorn. The old spirit animal. Keeping me alive these days. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what are we going to talk about this week? We, we should probably talk about what happened in Texas. Yeah. Um, Does everybody know what happened in Texas? Or is it just one more of those things? I think in this case they do. I mean, mass shootings in the United States, yeah, there's something every week, right? But this is the worst since Sandy Hook in a school in terms of death toll, et cetera, et cetera. Second behind Sandy Hook, yeah. Yeah, 20, 19 kids, 22, 21, two teachers. Mm. Um, it also, it's, it's, I, I don't even keep up with records about death tolls and stuff, but all are agreed it's the most atrocious thing in 10 years. It's been 10 years since Sandy Hook. 2012, I think it was December 2012. Mm-hmm. It was the first topic we talked about, actually, our first behind the headlines podcast. Oh, yeah. Pre video days wow. in early 2013. It was still going on, so to speak. At mm-hmm. least there was still a lot of speculative analysis on the interwebs for weeks and weeks after because it was novel it was a new it was a new low I suppose mm-hmm. there obviously had been the Columbine High School <clears throat> massacre <clears throat> in 1999 which was a kind of a, a, a horrible milestone it was a high school though um, it was fairly clear that two or three or more with other kids may have been involved too peripherally it was pretty clear who did it you know what their crazy grunge head motivations for doing it were, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are still some historical points of interest that are worth looking into, but it's more or less, you know, it was wrapped up at the time. But it still was, anyway, my point simply was a high media event because it was so, like, bl- burst on the scene. Well, many mass shootings happened in the meantime, and they got worse and worse in a sense. They, the death toll seemed to climb in these shootings. The weapons maybe got better. Probably not. Uh, the speed with which they occurred, it was a very short time scale. Because, of course, authorities in the United States, police and other authorities, be- began to get wise to them and mm. respond quicker, better overall. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they happened, they happened faster and faster in the execution of them. You know what I mean? Anyway, Sandy Hook, though, is a marker because it was an elementary school. There's such young children. They're helpless, and it's obviously, you know, the more innocent the victim, mm-hmm. you know, the more emotional the reaction to it. It's an interesting. It's an interesting. I mean, interesting in a macabre kind of way, but uh, an interesting sociological <coughs> uh, mm, trajectory or, or development. Sociological development or sociological, yeah, uh, because I mean, like you said, they've increased a lot in the past 20 years and um, in the US and you know it's reasonable to, to, to ask what that actually means if anything what it means what do you what conclusions do you draw from it from a, a society where uh, you know more and more there's more and more people <coughs> being produced by that society that go out and slaughter other members of the society and including including children you know yeah. uh, sure they're only a very small number of people but um, 
what does it say? It's, it's, a, it's a very good question. It's something that should be looked into, but it's also not something that's easily solved. Uh, even if you do draw some tentative conclusions, what are you going to do about it? You know, mm. um, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's systemic, uh, essentially. It has to be, I suppose, the conclusion will have to be that it's in some way systemic within society. Or um, Systemic tends to mean kind of from the roots up, but it's probably more like from the top down. You know mm. what I mean? It's, it's, mm. You'd point the finger at governance, overall governance and guidance by authorities in the US in terms of how the impact they're having on society and, and how they're shaping society and how how the society that they're that they're overseeing is producing an increasing number of uh, mentally disturbed citizens. Psychopathic. Yeah, citizens. Or even just mentally disturbed. You okay. know what I mean? Seriously mentally disturbed. And of course yeah. you could chart all that. It means it's a broad topic. You chart it with the use of... Uh, the increase in use of, uh, um, you know, uh, antidepressants and other uh, kind of psycho, uh, psychoactive uh, yeah. medications and stuff, you know. The, 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 there's a lot of, of, of well-worn commentary mm-hmm. um, about this, and one of them is drugs and me- the treatment of mental, health, mm-hmm. uh, mental illness issues mm-hmm. and catching people before they... Not so much in the pre pre crime sense of punishing anyone before um, yeah, acting on intent, yeah. but rather you know stopping someone if possible. Like an obvious one that's straight off the bat, obvious question here. The first one would be, how does someone who is so obviously mentally unhinged acquire two assault rifles mm-hmm. a couple of days, just a few days, literally just as he turned eighteen? Mm-hmm. Ostensibly, he's walked into a local store, local, and he's kind of he's a known he's a known character. He's known as a truant. He didn't graduate high school this mm-hmm. year, which he should have. Uh, local high school in this town, Uvalde in in, in Texas. Um, he walks into a store just before the massacre and gets two assault rifles. So there, it's an obvious one, and the, I, I don't know how to frame it exactly because is it the fault of the vendor? Is a vendor simply a greedy company? Let's yeah. not pick someone out in the company, but mm-hmm. the company as a whole, are they themselves not having any kind of discretion about who they sell to assault rifles to? If some guy comes in with like dark eyeliner around his eyes, bags under his eyes because he's doing drugs and staying up all night, obviously you, you, he looks young, so you, ch- you check his ID. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's turned 18 yesterday. Mm-hmm. You probably also heard of him. You know him. He's a truant. He's gone around. He's known for going around and been picked up by police. He had no criminal record, but he's known to police for going around shooting a BB gun mm-hmm. at people mm-hmm. with his mates. Mm-hmm. So a known quantity in a small town of 16,000 people walks into one of, what, two or three gun stores there. And the vendor doesn't kind of go, just be on your way. Mm-hmm. Before we get the law into this, what gun control, and there's a lot said about, oh, we need new laws. But the problem is in Texas, it's just too damn liberal. I, surely, when it comes down to practical matters, you know, cash for guns in Texas, as in anywhere else in the United States, irrespective of what the letter of the law says, surely there's a common sense quantity going on where the vendor looks at someone and says, you best leave. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <clears throat> anyway, that's... That, that's been reported as, repeated as fact. No one has challenged that. There's no reason to doubt that. That is apparently what happened. He just walked in and walked out to AR-15, something mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. assault rifles. Yeah, for sure. 
And there's your first question. How the hell did he get them? Yeah. I don't give a shit what the law says. Mm-hmm. Texas. I don't care how free and you know. I don't care about the Second Amendment in that instance. You know, how did he get them? Mm. Seriously. So, the other issue is well, it's it's related. It's a sub issue. How did he buy that much bloody ammo? Now, there's a discrepancy because uh, discrepancy. I'm not going to you know cast any cast any conspiracy theories. No, no. We should. We should. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and do this as little as possible. But there is a slight one. Namely, he went into that store on two days, bought two rifles, and walked out. It's, it's known exactly. There's a receipt. I guess someone has a receipt with something like four or 500 rounds, matching rounds that would work from those weapons. He, on the day, he drops a bag outside before entering the premises of the elementary school in Nivaldi, containing... 1,600 is a figure I'm hearing from AP. 1,600 mm. rounds. That's a wee arsenal there now. And so did he go on another occasion? We don't know that yet. You know, kind of a, a fo- but it's a follow-on related question. Mm-hmm. How does a punk, a locally known punk, acquire a fucking arsenal? Mm. You know, legally, because that's what he did over the counter from the local shop. Illegally, I mean, this is, this is Texas, Mexico mm. territory. I mean... And the government has some responsibility in the broadest sense here because of, you know, Operation, what was it, Fast and Furious, mm. where there were all kinds of gun running, some of it being done mm-hmm. officially mm-hmm. by the United States to manage and buy off gangs on either side of the border mm-hmm. to prevent some from getting weapons by giving them to others. It was mm. a crazy, crazy idea. Anyway, the upshot of that is 10 years of... Obama's Obama administration policy is the places of washing weapons anyway. Mm-hmm. But then you go, well, well, he could have got them anywhere. Mm-hmm. That he got them legally kind of becomes irrelevant. But that's been put in there from the get-go on day one of this official story. So anyway, um, I, I want to say something else before we go on like any further. Like uh, These things, th- this has already started with some internet analyses um, of this event, I'm seeing it on Twitter a little bit, not so much, thankfully. Sandy Hook was also a, a marker because it spawned the counter narrative that the event was fake. Mm-hmm. Fake blood, fake children, yeah. fake teachers, fake actors, blah, blah, blah. And some people bear m- more responsibility for pushing that nonsense than others. The upshot of it was some legal, legal cases brought against them. Um, Alex Jones is the most famous case. He has since, you know, retracted that. He just doesn't, he says, I apologize, I was wrong, and he dropped it in his defense. Um, but that kind of bullshit, just so YouTube knows, we're not, like, in any way going near, it's, it's, it's horseshit. It's basically horseshit. We've also discussed this in the past where it's an interesting phenomenon in itself. It's a kind of, we suspect that, this kind of tendency to counter-speculate against everything the authorities say, absolutely everything, yeah. is a kind of an extreme emotionally-based reaction to it. We've seen it also in the Boston bombing mm-hmm. incidents where there was a kind of, in response to the atrocity, it's in your face, it's real, it's happening, people actually balk and they go, no, I can't believe where, they don't want to go where it's, possibly being suggested to them is going, which is that um, the people 
in uh, the perpetrators may not have acted alone. Mm. And thus, the authorities possibly are leaving out some key part of a picture of what actually took place. Mm. And anyway, they end up fleeing into this other venue where, oh, it's actors. Mm. I know. Mm. The government, the, the people who perpetrated this just to stage the whole thing. So we're not in any way suggesting Although, yeah. that kind of... Yeah, I mean, we have in the past uh, picked up on evidence in several of these mass shootings where there was initial reports at least of more than uh, one person shooting. Uh, yes. That w when the story always resolved down to it was a lone wolf, a single person did the shooting. That's the end end analysis. But before that analysis is is, is reached, there's evidence that there's more than one person, and there are many uh, of these shootings where those initial evidence. Now you can put that down to confusion and stuff. But mm. the ones we have looked at, there is at least some of them. There's reasonable evidence that there was other people involved. And this is where you get into kind of conspiracy theories where that it was that the person who was doing the shoot that it was a, basically a put-up job, essentially. It was, it, it was the person who did the shooting and was went down for it was effectively a patsy. He was put, put up to do it. I mean, he's obviously a participant. He, he, he did do some shooting, let's say, uh, but that he had help. Uh, and it depends on the situation, uh, you know, how much help he had or whatever. But uh, you can see how authorities, if... If the people, if you go with the conspiracy theory, now not the conspiracy theory that you outlined earlier on there, which was that it was all, it's all fake, fake blood, nobody died, all that kind of stuff. Mm. It's actors, all that kind of stuff. Mm. That was nonsense. But the idea that there was someone else, there could have been someone else involved shepherding these very often young people, young guys who don't have much, I'm thinking of Sandy Hook here, Adam Lanza. He went was to a, 19, 19 years old. And now this Ramos dweeby, guy was 18. Yeah, Adam Lanza, Sandy Hook. Really dweeby guy, you couldn't even imagine him holding a very large gun, never mind shooting one. Autistic. Kind of autistic y, uh, no experience really with shooting. Went once or twice with his mom to a shooting range or something like that. And then he goes in and, you know, the whole Sandy Hook situation. Mm -hmm. And there's evidence, there was eyewitness reports of other people yeah. around involved in the Sandy Hook shooting. Now you can see how authorities, when they conclude, uh, if, they ha if they have that evidence that there was someone else, but they don't have those people. And there's the people just disappeared, the helpers disappear mm. you can't admit you have to it has to resolve down to just the, the lone, lone gunman uh, uh, narrative because you can't say yes there were two or three other people involved in this with for example in Sandy Hook with Adam Lanza but we don't know where they are mm -hmm. you can't just leave it like that no. so and if you know you're not going to get them because somewhere along the chain of command you know that these people uh, have you know um Clearance, let's say, in somewhere or other, they're yeah. effectively they have authority that they're people who who got who can disappear. Um, then you're not gonna you're, you're just gonna ignore them. You're gonna airbrush them out of the narrative, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, um, whether or not that's the case with this most recent shooting, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be any initial no. reports of other people involved, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No, the, I didn't even we didn't even look at this when it first because it seemed so open and shut there was a basic story given on the day it happened when did it happen four days ago was that Tuesday mm. I think it was Tuesday 24 May today's 29 okay so five days ago um, it seemed open and shut I mean there's, there's one guy it's one classroom in a small school um, that's actually since been expanded to two classrooms although there was an adjoining door between them so okay more or less one large room, let's say, with a, div a division. Um, and the victims are all in those two classrooms. Um, the police 
later storm it and they shoot him dead. And so such that by the time there's breaking news, at least maybe not nationally, but certainly in international media, it's all, it's wrapped. The guy, the perpetrator is dead. The number of victims are known, although there was one update to increase it. But still, that's within the space of one day. Mm-hmm. The scale of it, uh, where it took place, the number of victims, and roughly how it happened was all delivered in one day. That when you when you get that small the whole package more or less in one in, in one news report, well that's the first thing you hear within a day even within two days, that's usually the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only reason that's brought back to my attention to look a little closer was because of yesterday's news. When it turns out that an earlier statement given at a press conference in Nuvaldi, Texas by the chief of police, Stephen McGraw. I think he's chief of police. He's also been described as the DPS. Um, Director of Public. Um, I'm not sure what Director DPS stands Director. for. At first I thought it was like a prosecutor, but no, that can't be right. No. He, he police. Anyway, Stephen Public McGraw. Police services. His, you know, his face has been on the media. He's in trouble now anyway because he gave an initial statement, put up a united front between all responding agents, federal and local, federal, state and local, whoever got there on the scene and that we'd all work together and, you know, the threat was neutralized mm-hmm. and it was a very, it was, that's what you would do regardless of what happened anyway, I suppose. It's understandable. You're not going to immediately start with a fight. Anyway, that was earlier on. Four days later, yesterday we see the news that actually <laughs> there's a major spat going on, namely that there had been a much earlier arrival than the first impression they gave of responding officers and that they were border and customs federal agents who arrived. And in the reporting of it yesterday, it's very much looking like the local police are being hung out to dry because um, they're now saying that the police, local police, including this guy, I presume, under his authority, Steve McGraw, delayed a federal response to the shooting. Um, I don't know yet if that made a difference. The delay is significant, though. It's 45 minutes. And now we're getting a different timeline. Mm-hmm. That's, that's in itself probably the most important thing. It's when the timeline is changing to such a degree that you can have a very different story from one day to the next, such that on day one, there's an apparently open and shut, fairly straightforward story that's given internationally, such day four, four days later, it's very different. Mm -hmm. Um, That is usually something, uh, it's in itself, it's a red flag. You know, with these highly mediatized events, have such changing t- timelines to the point they're so nebulous. You don't even know what to hang it on anymore, you know? Yeah. Okay, sub-headline here. Local officers reported, reportedly delayed U.S. Border Patrol agents from going after the gunman by about 45 minutes. So they were there. They wanted to go for him, but they were told, no, no, wait, stay back. Did that make a difference? Um, in the latest <clears throat> timeline, sh- some shots were fired after. In that during that period of mm. waiting, mm-hmm. um, it's unknown 
probably won't be known for a while until forensics and coroner's reports come in, whether or not any more, there were any more victims after that. The bulk of the shooting seems to have been quick in the initial shooting. Thus, the bulk of the victims were either wounded or killed mm-hmm. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is that the the discrepancy, the difference between the locals' police force um, and the federal agents' story is that the federal agents wanted to go in, and they were told by the local police, "No, there's no need to." That was a b- border, they entered b- into patrol. negotiation. One report says, mm-hmm. um, but there was no communication from the guy. And uh, so they didn't actually negotiate with him at all. There was no communication between them and him. Uh, but yeah, um, cops arrived within four minutes of the guy actually going into the school or four minutes after the guy was into the school. Um, they're probably, I mean, it's hard to know exact details, but there was probably shooting after that fact. Um, they, the cops tried to, some cops tried to go in, came under fire supposedly and backed away saying we need, we need backup, etc., Within a short period of time after that, like just minutes really, uh, Border Patrol came and the Border Patrol have, uh, you know, you know more uh, more equipment basically to, to deal with effectively, you know, similar to uh, like, let's say a SWAT team basically, but uh, the local police are supposedly, you know, were to- told them that they're not allowed to go in. So you have all these people outside, uh, massed outside, and they know the shooting going on in ele- elementary school. Uh, they're getting phone calls from kids telling them that, uh, you know, please come, there's, there's people dead in here. Uh, and they do nothing for basically an hour. Uh, yeah. And they don't allow, local police don't allow Border Patrol agents who have, like I said, the equipment to probably, you know, to deal with that kind of situation to, to go in. And they're waiting, the official story is they're waiting on, on SWAT, SWAT team. Yeah. And the SWAT team doesn't arrive for, for an hour or, or, or thereabouts, uh, by which time it's kind of all done. Uh, there, there were 19 of them in the hallway. Um, Nineteen more. There were nineteen armed officers mm. of various local to uh, federal agents mm-hmm. in the hallway. Mm-hmm. That's another question. Why did they not attempt exactly to go after him? Well, you just break down a door. You know Earlier. what room he's in. You break down the door and you go in. Yeah, and you shoot him. Which so is what they ended up out. doing anyway. Yeah, exactly. So why did they not do it before? Well, they had to go. Well, they eventually had to go and get a key from the janitor. Yeah, and that took about uh, you know. Uh, about an hour or something. So eventually, when they find the key, and there's a school that's actually running, there are kids in it, teachers in it. They've, you know, obviously a lot of them have, some of them have escaped or are outside and stuff. And no one can find a key to this room. And anyway, why do you need a key? You know, there's no knock uh, entries. Basically, the police do. How long does it take police to when they when they do the no knock entry into your house? How long does it take them to knock down your door in the US? Very short period of time. The idea that they couldn't knock down a classroom door in an uh, elementary school is ridiculous. It's odd. So, so, so I'm trying. To, I'm going to try and find a real explanation that they won't otherwise share. They were scared. Were scared. They were scared because there was suppressing fire. He apparently fired towards the hallway, and, and enough to make them like fear for their lives that they could not just storm it. At some point, though, they, they apparently could. Um, he remember the. The, the classrooms in question have windows to the other side. No attempt was made to breach or to right. take a shot at them from yep. outside. Yep. Um, okay, about the janitor and the key. Uh, can you put up the one I just sent you, Scott, from CNN? Um, okay, scroll down to... Um, can you do a search? Uh, we're still trying... We are still... Search for establish. <clears throat> okay. So the, hang on, 
Before I read what he says, the person speaking here is Uvalde Police Chief Daniel Rodriguez, issuing a statement three days ago. Um, okay, issue a statement, top paragraph. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, excuse me, no, it's not. It's someone else called Olivares. I'm trying to remember who he is. Probably local police as well. Anyway, this is a named official. He says, we're still trying to establish if the classroom was locked. And if it was locked, was there some type of barricade? Was there some type of locking mechanism that did not allow those officers to make entry? Mm-hmm. He, he's still trying to establish, but it's already been established as a media fact in the timeline from day one that that was a fact. But the guy who was there still doesn't know. That's the kind of discrepancy, like in a thing that starts to become nebulous, hmm. you know, where you have to, where you start to wonder who put it out as a fact on day one, you know, mm-hmm. well, and that, then you that, find out from a named person who was actually there, actually read ourselves, no. Yeah. Well, maybe confusion, all that kind of stuff, because the local police chief actually is, was on TV, giving a presser uh, the day after or whatever, saying that uh, the that the, um, there's a local, whatever they call them, patrol officer or whatever, on, in the school basically, there was an armed officer in their school and that he exchanged uh, gunfire with the, with, with the shooter, right? Because so, that's the whole point of having a, an armed, plainclothes, I suppose, police officer on school premises during school hours is in the event of a, of a school shooting and he can try and do something about it. But, and the police chief said that, that he exchanged gunfire with him, but then afterwards he said actually he didn't. So. Yeah. Where did that information come from? Somebody, somebody, who knows? I mean, that's, you know, uh, confusion. We know, we know an awful lot about the, the fog around these events immediately afterwards in the, the media, media storm where there's all sorts of information put out that it ends up not being factual. But certainly, you can see why it would give rise to conspiracy theories because that provides perfect ground for someone to, um, you know, to, to, to get their facts straight, to have several days to get their facts straight, you know, and to talk to people and let people know what what the official story is going to be, you know. Um, the interesting thing is, like, is I mean, there's a, there's one report at least, but it seems to be the case. If you just put up the Yahoo News one, I sent the other Scotty. Um, police training experts say if Uvalde police didn't storm the school, they weren't following standard protocol. Policing experts said that if officers didn't engage gunmen, they were violating training. Witnesses said parents begged officers to go into the elementary school while the gunman was inside. If someone was shooting, there was no less pause and get back up, one expert told uh, the insider. Um, these are experts on police training who supposedly give police training and know that when you give police training, the, the orders um, or the procedure to follow when there's an active shooter in a school is you don't hang around and wait. The available armed law enforcement officers go and try and stop it from happening as quick as possible. That's the bottom line. Uh, they didn't do that. Uh, which is also strange because, if you just put up the second one I sent you there, Scotty, um, this is in March, just so, so eight weeks, two months ago, um, the Valde police who were <laughs> the ones on scene first within four minutes and would have been tasked with, with doing what that police training expert said, which is storming the building as soon as possible to deal with a deal with threat. They underwent training in this specific situation. You know, obviously 
at some general active shooter in the school or active shooter somewhere in Ovalde, and they were went through that, that training. Was, that was at the high school, so that was the school that Ramos went to. They had the active shooter, right? Training. But you would assume that it's. Oh the same, yeah, yeah, right? no, no. The, yeah. the point is, it's not, not at the school. I'm not saying at the school, but they went through the training for an active scooter, uh, active shooter it's, in a school, and part of the training is, as soon as you arrive, you go and try and do something about it. Yeah, and they didn't. So why? Who knows? There's no there's no explanation for that. There's no answer for that. There's no yeah. reasonable answer for that. And that's why everybody's up in arms about it. Or the people that aren't up in arms about it yeah. are up in arms about it because there is no satisfactory answer no. as to what. And there hasn't been one. Not least to the date. parents who turned yeah. up. Um, they got an alert and they started showing up. And this video of them outside, you know, they had some of them had to be handcuffed. I read. I didn't see that myself. Yeah, yeah, but they had to yeah. be restrained and pushed back. There seemed to be more police outside dealing with the parents. Not only that, but there were police with long guns outside um, and, and body armor. Um, then there's the... I know. Did he plan this or is it just opportunistic? Was it... By appearances, it's just like, it's a crazy guy and he went nuts. And there was a... Uh, a personal emotional reason for doing it because he had a fight with his grandmother. Shoots at her. She survives. Drives her truck. It wasn't his pickup. Drives her truck, even though he can't drive, but whatever. Maybe he knows enough. But he crashes it. Um, Why did he crash? Maybe just because he can't drive. He crashes it badly, though, and mm-hmm. he walks up out, and the school is right there. Now, maybe that's where he intended to go, okay? Mm-hmm. So he gets to the school, but... He starts shooting from the outside and walks around to a door, a back door that's open. Mm-hmm. This back door is normally closed. Mm-hmm. And what they've reported is that the door had been propped open minutes earlier by a teacher. Yeah. Maybe she did. Maybe she does that regularly. Maybe she goes out for smokes. Maybe there's a perfectly mundane reason that's for it. Similar but to that's bloody opportunity. Similar to Sandy Hook, actually. There was uh, a, Someone opened the door of Sandy Hook Elementary School for um, Lanza. <clears throat> That's the official story. Same with the theatre in uh, Aurora, Colorado. Yeah. Um. Uh, throw up that video, Scotty, just on, on that point before we carry on. Uh, this is the video we're talking about of um, parents being... Just play a little bit of it there. Parents being... Stopped from going. It then would be Stop an there hour for before U.S. Border Patrol and no, tactical okay. teams arrive and for a second, shoot. Then. And go back a little bit. The deadliest school shooting in now. state history. The 19 children who were killed include yeah, a fourth grader full of energy, who, according to his father, was ready to play until nighttime. A 10-year-old who loved. Ah. It then would be. Oh, well, just obscured what I want to talk about. You can go back a second. Okay, so here these are the cops outside. Um, that guy's got a an assault rifle, and he's not the only one. You can see others as as the video plays. There's <clears throat> again the background with an assault rifle, all with body armor and stuff. Uh, the guy in the building didn't have any body armor. Um. Initially, they reported he did. I know, but he in did. the new timeline, yeah. he didn't. Yeah. But you don't know. That's the thing. Yeah. The point is that when you've got a bunch of local police um, who have body armor and have have long rifles and stuff, um, there's no reason for them not to be in that school. Yeah. When uh, certainly after you know, you know they've ascertained some. 
details about the situation from the initial cops who went in and stuff. I mean, we don't know, but we assume that, you know, they knew there was just one guy in the classroom and there's like maybe 10 of them outside. What, they can't go and storm the classroom and with their with their body armor and stuff and just go and, you know, I mean, that's their, that's their job, right? They're meant to put themselves, they put themselves in danger as part of their job, right? They put their lives at risk as part of their jobs. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's about saving children, you think there'd be no other, no other, uh, no, no better, better cause to, to, put yourself in, in, in danger as a, as, a, as a police officer, you know. Mm. But this, that, that's the video we're talking about where it just shows the parents being very upset and stuff and one parent actually on the ground being handcuffed and stuff. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I just want to make that point about the fact that there, there were plenty of cops uh, around suitably equipped. At the very least, what it shows is that the parents have the normal response when the threat of harm to children is involved. Even if it's not their own child specifically that they can go in and actually help, <clears throat> the police and any other law enforcement responders who are not, <clears throat> for whatever reason, they're, they're probably like they're following orders, they're following protocols, or they're confused about protocols, they're confused about what exactly they're ordered, whatever the reasons are. The result, the upshot of it is they're mucking it up, you know? When they do make a decision, well, that's they burst in, they shoot them twenty-seven times. Okay, why seventy? Why a seventy-five minute wait to do that? Yeah, it reminds me of Las Vegas shooting. They had no problem going in and just shooting them, shooting them right in the head. Done. Right when, when they did it. Yeah, an hour later. Why the delay? Yeah. Well, the delay is because they are um, because there's a chain of command and they're getting orders basically. Someone's giving orders. Yeah. So you have to go up the chain of command in this, in this situation to find out who was giving the orders, who was making the decisions to go or not to go, to stop, to wait, etc., etc. And um, the only thing, the only, the only explanation they've given so far, and this is from the police department, I suppose, the chief of police in, in Ivaldi, was that they made the wrong decision to wait. And it's like, duh, you know what I mean? I mean, it's like the fact that he would even say that, you know, it's like, so some guy goes into a school and you hear, you know, with, with, a, with an assault rifle and starts shooting, you hear gunshots. When would it ever be the situation that you should wait? There's no one in there to protect the children. There's someone in there with a gun and possibly a lot of ammunition. There's hundreds of kids in the building. When would wait be the appropriate response? Anyway. So, yeah, it, it it's suspicious. And I think the most what you're seeing in terms of the what we've seen over the past number of days of, in terms of the media, especially even CNN and stuff, you know, throwing shade at the whole situation and the, the explanation and questioning it is as, is as far as you're going to go and you're, as far as you're going to get. But it's quite a lot uh, in terms of um, the questioning uh, that you're seeing in the mainstream media because it's, you know, it's unusual. Uh, traditionally, they don't, they don't question. They're not going as far as saying there's something, there's a cover-up here, there's something. Yeah. Uh, but... They're hinting in that direction, you know, and it's the egregious nature of of what actually happened and, and the and the bullshit yeah. a, bullshit answers that they're being given that is is provoking that uh, questioning, even in typically uh, typically you know pro government pro uh, pro authority yeah. CNN, outlets like CNN, you know. Yeah, the governor of Texas, Abbott, said he's he's livid because he he gave a press conference, which is kind of. Um, a bit notorious now because um, Beto, Beto, Beto O'Rourke, O'Rourke 
a Democrat got up and made a political speech, mm-hmm. stump speech, interrupting their, their press conference. Anyway, that's not what he's livid about. He's livid because he gave a press conference based on one set of facts he was given mm-hmm. that have since changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the governor of the state of Texas was misled as well. Again, it could be for mundane reasons, but Jesus, I mean, uh, it, it's, it stinks. I, it's, it's, it's the thing I hate about it's there's always like who the hell gets to talk to the media and you know give authority anonymous law law enforcement officials say comma though they're not allowed to speak comma and then they give the whole set of facts it's not just like spurious facts that then a reporter has to cleverly stitch together Mm. they're given the entire bloody package on Mm. day one Mm. it goes around the world everyone remembers that version of it and then over the next 72 hours they take out this plank this one this one this one until you're you're left with this nebulous cloud that just begs more questions right it renders the initial probable sounding motive totally meaningless or at least close to it you're still left with a crazed looper that'll right. always be that right. you always have you had Adam Lanza and Sandy Hook here you have this Ramos kid in Las Vegas you had um, the casino addict who may have been a part time gun salesman or something like that you know yeah <clears throat> but some so the whole narrative I mean it, for me it's it's the question mark of the whole thing and it kind of you know it does stink a little bit in, in terms of just in in our own research over the last, whatever, 15, 20 years into these kind of shootings and the discrepancies <coughs> and how the official story doesn't fit and the eyewitness narratives and stuff. It, you know, I'm fairly convinced that there's big questions over, question marks over some of the major uh, mass shooting events where it was just a, a, a lone gunman. That was the narrative, that it was a lone gunman. I have question marks over, over, the, over the validity of, of, the, of, that, of that narrative. Just based on the evidence, um, on this one, yeah, I mean, so I have to leave it open on this one because of the discrepancies, as well. But again, it speaks for me ultimately in all of them. It speaks to if there is something, uh, something else going on. It it's going to be the involvement of people in positions of power who, in some way or other, facilitated or manipulated the the event mm. to one extent or another. You know. Um, but of course, that's not, that's not that's never talked about as as, as part of the problem. Because if you want, we're talking about the solution to this problem, right? That's what everybody's talking to are talking about yeah. in the US. Is, is it guns? Is it drugs? Take away the is guns, it mental all illness? Kind of stuff, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But you know, <clears throat> in, in some of the major ones, if it's not any of those things, really, if there's none of the, none of those major events, major shooting events would have happened if there wasn't a hidden hand involved. Then you're missing the point. You're not going to find this. You're not going to solve the problem by focusing on those other other issues that, are, that, that, that you've come up with. Mm-hmm. And people are digging. Of course, they have to dig, like, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. They go, mm-hmm. what's wrong with our society? Why is this happening over and over again? Yeah. Um, well, maybe there's another reason why it's happening over and over again, but, of course, that gets a bit, uh, a bit murky. Uh, I, to broaden it out a little in the context of other recent atrocities, not least the one that took place in Buffalo, it's kind of an interesting geographical... Um, comparison. This one took place about 100 kilometers as the crow flies from the Mexico border. Last week's atrocity, Buffalo is right on the border with Canada. Don't know if that's in any way saying anything, but maybe just interesting symbolically. Um, 
the there's a paper trail linking, as there usually is, a virtual paper trail this day and age. Um, Ramos is 18, he's on social media. He has social media posts on Instagram. He he drops a post on someone he doesn't know. He follows on Instagram, who's kind of like got a bit of a following, 16,000 followers. She, Do you like my guns? And she's like, who the fuck are you, you know? Mm. Um, uh, you know, unsolicited stuff like that. But there's also like there's a chat with a girl he's friends with online who lives in Germany via Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. What I'm getting at here is this next report. Can you put up the one from Buffalo News? So this is about the shooting that took place in uh, Buffalo last week at the Tops supermarket. Authorities investigating if retired federal agent knew of Buffalo mass shooting plans in advance. Let's read the first few paragraphs. Okay, law enforcement officers are investigating whether a retired federal agent had about 30 minutes advance notice of a white supremacist plan to murder black people at his Buffalo supermarket. Authorities believe the former agent, believed to be from Texas, curious, was one of at least six indiv- six individuals who regularly communicated with accused gunman Peyton Gendron in an online chat room mm-hmm. where racist hatred was discussed. The two sources who told... Buffalo News about this, with direct knowledge of the investigation, stated that these individuals were invited by Gendron to read about his mass shooting plans and the target location about 30 minutes before he went and carried it out. Mm-hmm. That suggests that, you know, well, maybe there was a sliver of opportunity. That's one reading you can get from that. But what it also suggests is that in chat rooms online where these people are becoming radicalized, if that's what it is, well, that gets into there the- are... Yeah, government. Yeah, of course agents. there, are. of course there are, but that's well known that they're there, right? And that gets into the whole FBI terror plot thing, where you know, what? federal federal agents and uh, having running have informants, effectively people working for the uh, federal agency who are tasked with digging up or digging out potential terrorists slash mass shooters slash slash white supremacists slash whatever you want. Uh, but the murky part of it is, as was revealed and has been revealed by us before now, or talked about by us before now, uh, uh, the problem is that um, you get into budget justification and mission uh, mission justification, essentially, mm-hmm. um, where the FBI, for example, or any other ad- agency is given large amounts of money <clears throat> and employs all of their agents every year as part of the budget, in order to root out what we know is the white supremacist slash terrorist slash whatever threat in this country. Now, if that's your job and you've been given a budget to do your job and every year you don't turn up any uh, any any evidence, you don't you don't uh, achieve any, any arrests or uh, uncover any plots, then you're not going to get as big a budget the next year. You're going to say, well, we don't need you to do this, right? So... Got to meet targets. Yes, exactly. So... When these people are involved in chat rooms or directly with with certain people that they suspect might be terrorists or white supremacists planning mass shootings or something like that, um, you can see there's a, you bring a mundane it along, motivation for why well, you bring, they would be doing yeah, that. You bring it along and you you know you, you effectively groom the individual in a, in a sense to to get it out, to spit it out. What do you want to do? Do you want to wage a full ground war in America? Mm. Do you? Uh, do you the, want to shoot hand, up shoot up this school? The Miami when he's going to do, yeah, exactly. When he, the Miami Seven, yeah, <laughs> the Seas of David, uh, 
I think they were ninjas. Anyway. Um, they were ninja Jewish Muslim something. Something. Some, yeah, yeah, <laughs> some sect. Yeah. Rastafarians or something. Anyway, and all of them had a collective IQ of like 20. Anyway, uh, but they were going to wage a ground war uh, against the, uh, the US. Uh, and they were, they, <coughs> this is all suggested to them, and they just by went, any, yeah, by, by yeah, the by the FBI. People were like, do you like money? That, yeah, we well like that, money. Here's that's what money. I'm hinting at here, that the main, it, people have analyzed this well enough. Obviously, your good self um, kind of led the way, but others have done a sense when it comes to terror issues, when there's kind of a more in-your-face political or international dimension to these atrocities. I don't think people really consider it, though, so if it works for a bombing, say Boston bombings, a real one, or a foiled plot, Sears Towers, yeah. 2006, why why would this not also be in play in consideration? Well, of course, yeah. If only for ongoing monitoring. And to, 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 put, to, to get them out of the woodwork and to identify them of and course. To stop them pre Stop them happening. But then, as we see in the FBI tower plots, uh, the FBI brought, it, brought them to almost to fruition, let's say, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, on some occasions they, um, you know, give, them, give the purpose, purpose of a fake bomb, that kind of thing, and took them right to the place where they were going to plant the bomb and only then arrested them. Now, there's a very thin line there between arresting them at that point, giving them a fake bomb and arresting them and saying, see, we uncovered a terror plot and we got, a, we got an arrest. Or if someone decides, you know what, maybe we need an actual terror attack. The only right. difference there is real bomb, don't arrest them. Then you also get your arrest, although it's not as satisfactory because you didn't foil the plot. But um, strangely enough, that's better than... Has ha- that ever happened? That's better than ha- yeah, that's better than having no plots at all because it's better from a budget point of view, uh, at, at the, you know, for, uh, for one example, uh, it's better from a budget point of view to have a terror plot actually... Be foiled. No, be carried out than to have none at all. Okay. Because the fact that one happens and people are killed in a bombing in the US or something is evidence that this threat is real and we need to increase our budget. Yeah, right? yeah. I remember after... The worst thing is when you have none. I remember after a, <coughs> a terror attack in what was one time a home city, <coughs> Brussels, for me, my parents... Um, I Well, I called to check they were okay. They were nowhere near it, but... My first words out of my mum's mouth were, you know, yeah, the intelligence services really need to up their game. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Like, of course. What? <laughs> when did you become an expert? Yeah. Is that your first reaction? Well, obviously that was planted. Right. And she picked it up. Yeah, um, you, yeah of course. And, and you asked if, if any, any had ever happened in that way where it was a, a stage-managed, you know, FBI grooming uh, kind of scenario of, of would-be terrorists that went ahead and carried out the bombing. The problem is you'd never be told that that's, that's, mm-hmm. that was the case. You know what I mean? Um, the, as soon as, as, if something like that happens and people are killed in a bombing or a shooting or something, uh, you're not, the FBI is not going to tell you that they were directly involved with these people all the way along right up until the point of the shooting. Mm-hmm. Of course, the most you get out of that, and this is something that people have heard probably quite a lot, is that the individual was known to intelligence agencies. How many times have you heard that mm-hmm. when it comes to terror attacks over the past 15 or 20 years? He was known to intelligence agencies. That's evidence that they were following the person, that they were directly involved with the person they were talking to him, and that there were someone within, that, within the intelligence agencies was, was grooming the, the person, you know? Um, Do you know of any incidents 
in it's terror or mass moment. shootings where it came out in subsequent investigation, maybe in a court, that they, they'd taken it to that point where they hadn't just groomed and given them a bomb and then foiled it, but it had gone on to happen. That's what I'm saying. You would never hear. You would never hear. You, they would never what tell you. What about the 1993... World, World Trade Center? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably Didn't the Didn't that come thing. out eventually? Mm, yeah. There was a guy, O'Neill, who was, who was overseeing that, who eventually was... Uh, or it would have come out, but he died in yeah, exactly, 2001. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> uh, uh, um, so, uh, there's one other piece of sort of relate. The upshot of this is... It, it's kind of predictable in the U.S. It, in the past, in general, the, the reaction on anyone sort of on the right in the United States is um, when they're uber skeptical and they're trying to point the finger, they say, oh, okay, we see what's going on here. Whatever about who did it, the political angle on this is gun control. You want to take away our guns, mm -hmm. right? And we've always downplayed that because we're like, look, the fact of the matter is every time something like this happens, gun sales increase in the right. United States and nothing ever gets done. Right. Nevertheless, right, politically, they do speak as one. Authorities, local and state. Biden said after this, look, for God's sake, some, something needs to be done. Fundamentally, we need to change something. Obviously, what he's getting at here is some kind of gun control law. Um, Kamala Harris yesterday calls for assault weapons ban. This probably won't go anywhere. This is the United States of America. Right, but that has been um, it, it. It could yet happen. I think in the U.S. they could actually try to at least legally have some kind of assault weapons ban. Maybe there would be some states that just would refuse and they would opt out. But I think they might go like full COVID measure on. Maybe not from this right now per se mm -hmm. but this mm -hmm. is where it's going to mm -hmm. they are so in a sense the right are correct ish they are trying to come for our guns mm. so to speak uh, anyway whether or not it gets off the ground or not the assault weapons ban specifically on like AR-15s like the guns that the kids supposed to use um, that's what happened in Canada in April 2020 there was a federal mandated assault weapons ban mm -hmm. and an amnesty or whatnot, people were to turn them in. I don't know how successful it was. It sounds like they were happy with it. A lot of people, if most people turned in assault weapons in Canada. And it came straight after an unbelievable smash shooting slash God knows what to call it. I called it a multi-site terror attack because it happened at 13 freaking locations. No, six locations over 13 hours. It went on like all night on the next day. Um, I won't, you know, go back into that now, but I want to uh, give you just an idea of how, this is what, this is what happens when um, a major incident actually goes nowhere because it's so confusing. There still is no timeline. Mm -hmm. There still is no established timeline in what happened in Nova Scotia in April 2020. Um, left in the dark, this headline, this is from February this year. The premier of Nova Scotia province in Canada frustrated with mass shooting inquiry. So that prompted... Um, 
hang on a sec. Let's look at this next one. It's the investigation has gone so bad there that they have uh, started also in February this year. It's ongoing now. It closes up in about five months' time when they must issue a final report. An independent inquiry. That's the same link. Oh, is it? Yeah. Blast. I don't have it. Anyway, there's a separate independent inquiry into the investigation. Mm -hmm. Because like... Like the, uh, it's the same death toll, I think twenty two, but more injured. Mm-hmm. It's extremely complex. It took place over so many different places. Some of the killings were targeted, and that's admitted that un- they couldn't, you know, they couldn't claim otherwise because there were specific police officers that were killed. Their cars were torched afterwards. There was one policewoman who thought she was going to meet a colleague to discuss and do a, a car switch or somewhere in the middle of Nova Scotia in the countryside and actually she's confronted bit by supposedly the lone gunman shooter. who shoots her then burns the evidence um, in a fire he's eventually and part of the reason he managed to get away with what he did was that he was impersonating a police officer <clears throat> he was going yeah. around in an RCMP car with the uniform and that's how he fooled them okay maybe um, it later emerged like not long after the events that the guy was a paid informant and he was paid like a lot of money by the Canadian government mm-hmm. as an informant. Yeah, that, that one is a very good example of what the kind of thing I'm talking about where, where it's, it's the whole thing is infiltrated. Uh, <laughs> it's a good term. Infiltrated by, uh, by the authorities, basically. The whole operation has been infiltrated by the authorities, you know. Um, and again, like you said, that one has never been, there's still no answers as to what actually happened, how it happened, because it's just way too... You can't st- you can't put the lone gunman narrative on that shooting in, uh, in Halifax, Halifax, right? Originally uh, Halifax. It ended up in Halifax because the person... Yeah, this guy was shot dead as yeah. he tried to approach Halifax Airport, right. presumably to flee it. Yeah. Somehow it's going to fly out. Um, yeah, people should look into it because it's just crazy, yeah. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, the... Inc- uh, I have, I have it here. I, I won't bother sending it to Scott. But anyway, this is May 15th. So CBC, no, globalnews.ca. Lawyers frustrated with mass shooting inquiry in Nova Scotia as deadlines loom. So this is the independent inquiry. The clock's being run down on the independent inquiry of the investigation. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, major cover-up. Um, they were promised uh, Mounties would testify and not a single one has so far it does all murta god mm. knows they're probably scared like, more like whatever they've more seen scared, or whatever yeah. they know that yeah and obviously you know with that narrative where where, where it's there seems to be you know the most reasonable explanation would be that this wasn't a long gunman that there was help and that it moves up the kind of the hierarchy of authority um the question then is, what is the goal, you know? What's the point of doing that? Of course, we talked about budgets, justifying budgets and renewing budgets and stuff. Um, like your mom said, your mom figured that one out. But um, there's also, obviously, the, the social impact in terms of authorities wanting to keep a population distracted and, you know, to periodically terrorized, periodically scared. And, you know, certain certain 
sections of the authorities, let's say. I mean, it gets very murky, and you know, there you're, you get into full-blown conspiracy theories and stuff. And But um, obviously that's the the end, end result because that uh, that's the goal. It has to be assumed if you go there, it has to be assumed that's the goal because that is the, res- that is the result. Uh, social control, basically. Mm-hmm. Control, control of the population. Um, of course, and, and all the narratives that they come up with, it's just the fine people can argue about, you know, banning guns or keeping guns. If you I mean, Or giving more guns. Make sure the teachers are armed. Get everybody guns. And then you have, interestingly, just a few days later in Virginia, if you throw that, throw that one up, Scotty, uh, uh, this doesn't. <laughs> it's kind of poked a hole in 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 the narrative of you know let's remove all the guns because you know there was a in Virginia a few days later just two two days ago I think Charleston West Virginia sorry uh, a thirty seven year old man with a extensive criminal history targeted a group of about forty people who were attending a birthday party with a semi automatic rifle and one of the party attendees had a gun and shot him dead. Um, so right. that's an argument right there for why in that in that scenario where you have armed uh, civilians, they can respond well, quickly, we have, immediately. We have shootings, yeah, uh, or it's a it's a country where there are regular shootings, and there are people who, for whatever reason, influenced or encouraged or helped or whatever, are going to certain places and attempting to shoot a lot of people. Um, it makes sense that the people who the would be targets, at least some of them, have weapons, because otherwise they're ducks. A fish in a barrel, right? Yeah. Um, so that, it's not going to be solved through that debate, and it's fine. That's why they're happy to ha- let that debate rage on. And Biden, you know, what are we going to do? And Kamala Harris, we need to do this and that. They don't care. They're not going to do anything. No. Um, Somebody was pointing out that it's interesting that in the space of the last two weeks, two issues have flared up because of the two um, mass shootings, one on each border. Uh, the other one is Roe versus Wade. You know, the... and. They flare up in such a way that the, t- the most extreme expressions of each are expressed. You know, mm-hmm. obviously the, the Supreme Court ruling is it made or was only still only in the leaked phase. I can't remember what, but that they would overturn Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, it prompts the most extreme expression of that debate. So right. pro-life, anti-life, total abortions versus zero. Right. There can be no middle ground. There can be no reasons. There can be no extenuating circumstances. No, no, no. You're either with us or you're against us, depending on how you're blue or you're red. Right. Same with this one as well. You know, the most atrocious thing hap- imaginable happens. Extremely easy, easily acquired assault weapons slaughter 19, six, seven-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Like, it it kind of it gives one side in a in an extreme in a polarized environment, the upper hand, so to speak. Right. Um, whether that's by design or not, besides the point, that's what happens. The Democrats get to go, obviously, yeah. look, look what just happened. It's obvious right. that we need to do something about this. And they're right. It is obvious that something needs to be done about this. But what's the cause? What's the real cause? Yeah. It's complicated, as they say. So, um, Parkland, I was going to ask you about Parkland, um, the Parkland shooting. Yeah, very similar. Deranged guy admitted it, more or less. Oh, yeah, he did. He, he owned it. He, he wanted it to be his work, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he lived, though. Mm-hmm. 
um, it's bigger area though. It was different. At least in this elementary school in Texas, it was a small, small building, limited to one, two classroom kind of with adjoining door. In Parkland, it was the timeline was so crazily changed that it went from he went up one stairwell along the whole length of the building to a second floor, what we call a second floor. Is that a first floor in America? Whatever. Ground up one, all the way back along, up again, all the way back along, down and out. They had to change that completely. They had to go, it's too much. It was too much in the time that could have been. So instead he went in one, up, no, in one along and up once. And then back out. Because there were media <clears throat> reports with eyewitnesses. They, it's interesting how that doesn't seem to happen anymore. You'd never seem to see media reports because they used to stick the cameras in front of anyone mm-hmm. they could find. One is with the blonde girl at the time who was a kind of a bit ditzy and her statement could be read a couple of ways. She said, yeah, well, there was definitely another one. Def, totally. Well, why? Because she, she was sure she could hear... Proximate, proximate firing and distant. Mm-hmm. That could be confused. Yep, sure. But there was a teacher who described someone who looked very different on the third floor. That's the uppermost floor, which has been removed in the final timeline. Mm-hmm. He could only have gotten to the second floor right. in the official timeline. But she's on the third floor and she's describing a guy like head to toe, hardcore body armor, like Robocop stuff. Whereas the puny little kid... Um, officially only had like his cap on, a baseball hat, mm-hmm. maybe one piece of something across which he took off, dropped the gun and walked out in his, you know, wine-colored shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was him and Sandy Hook where while Lanza was in the building, um, a teacher said that they saw through kind of like um, frosted glass on one of the windows, windows in a classroom, they saw a black clad figure uh, walking along um, outside the school, uh, mm. you know, um, there's lots more about Sandy Hook, but anyway, um, yeah. So I don't know. We don't have any solutions. We don't have except that you know what maps to reality, and it depends what reality you live in, I suppose, and it depends how you see the world, um, and how you view the world, and how you view authorities in the world, and how, how you view what's really going on, and whether you believe authorities when they say what they say, or whether you think that they don't really care, and that they, you know, there's certain sections of of government, uh, especially in intelligencies who, you know, as far as we're concerned, are pretty pretty evil people and have a particular agenda. And once you go there, then, you know, there's a lot of things that that uh, the, the, the view of, of how the world works and why certain things happen uh, changes radically, and it's not the media version. Um, but... Um, Yeah, it, it, it very very often it maps to reality. The thing very often the the, the that kind of a, a version, a view of how the world works, maps to the reality of these kind of shootings. Depending on the shooting or depending on the terror attack or something, it map it, it positing that kind of a scenario where you have quite evil people in positions of power who would stoop to doing certain things like this. Um, it it fits, it fills in the holes and the discrepancies like that we're talking mm-hmm. about uh, around the shootings and stuff. What are you going to say, Scotty? I was just going to say, I think it's, you know, people were pointing out in the chat and they were saying, well, you know, but the midterm elections are coming. And of course, you know, you, you, finally, after these two plus years of COVID, you know, life gets back to normal and mm-hmm. 
semi-normal. Yeah, back to normal. Fauci isn't machine. on TV every day, you know. And then it becomes, oh, the Russia and Ukraine thing. Mm. And so everybody's hanging the Ukrainian flag. And they go, oh, my God, World War Three, And then it's fuel prices. And everyone's calling it, you know, Biden's on TV calling it Putin's price hike. And meanwhile, Biden's popularity is, like, completely in the toilet. It's like yeah. a, a new world record. And midterm elections are coming, so you got that. And then you... And then you, oh, we got some shootings. Isn't that great? Mm. Back and to it's like back to normal, right? Yeah, but it's like it's it's really just it's like one thing after another to just utterly keep people like, shatter people's brains mm. and and just turn them into everyone's just so traumatized that then the next thing and then it's monkeypox. Oh, monkeypox is going to mm. kill you all. Mm. No, it's not. The WHO says no, no, monkeypox is not dangerous. I read one article. It was two days ago that said, no, 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 you don't have to worry. Monkeypox isn't going to spread. And then uh, I think it was last night or this morning I read another article saying, you know, they said there won't be mass vaccination. But then the WHO again came out and said, yeah, but there could be a super spreader event and here's how. And like, but you just said we don't – it's like a constant barrage of anything that will melt your brain and the more emotional and crazy it is. Yeah. So when the next thing comes down the pipe, pike, pipe, whatever – Everybody is just their brains are just mush, and it's like yeah, yeah. It's it, it's the very fact that it's so nebulous. The timeline's fluid; it's changing. Um, it's just it's it speaks to how hard it is to to ever say with any kind of certainty that something is done for a political reason. Yeah, because that, there's always that a... pauses that at least there's a coherent method. Behind the madness, it just appears to us as madness. Yeah. Even even the con- exactly. even the sensible ones who are brave enough to be giving the press conferences, dealing with those extremely pissed parents, mm. traumatized parents. Um, do you remember? Do you remember after Vegas that that sheriff? I forget his surname. Mm. They could see it on his face. The contortions he was trying to go through. To explain to people in some kind of coherent way what had taken place, mm-hmm. um, and the, and the guys leaning over his shoulder with the pressure they were putting on him, on the FBI dude, yeah. Uh, similar here, I noticed that this um, Steve McGraw guy had two Chef Lombardo, very Chef Lombardo. Lombardo. McGraw in a press conference this week had uh, two s- pretty serious looking dudes with in, in the white hats, yeah. Echoes staring of at him JFK. with beady eyes right behind you know I da- kind of Dallas Police Department yeah yeah, um, yeah play that Scotty I, I think that's the best answer best uh, answer um, overall broad macro macro explanation <laughs> Mr. Dascom what we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country this message must be read in every newspaper heard on every radio seen on every television This message must resound throughout the entire interlink. I want this country to realize that we stand on the edge of oblivion. I want every man, woman, and child to understand how close we are to chaos. I want everyone to remember why they need us. In the former United States. Uh, So, uh, that's just, for me, that's, you know, it's obviously from a comic book and then from a movie, be for Vendetta, but... um, and explaining what Scotty was just saying there about uh, one thing after the next, one just to kind of shatter people's brains. I mean, it's like um, a, 
an ex- something well, why? That, something to that prevent, explains to prevent focus. Something that explains why that would be happening. If you assume that it's not just a series of coincidences or accidents, basically that ha- that come along. Oh, and it's, they're just getting worse. You know, it's like mm. COVID, Ukraine. You know, um, monkeypox. Uh, you know, mass shootings, you know, they're all kind of, it's all kind of spiraling in a certain sense. I mean, it's happened before, but, you know, the way uh, it's been going over the past, really since 9-11, since uh, the past 15 or 20 years, um, the world has changed a lot and it's a lot more, it's a lot, the world is a lot more unsafe, I think most people would say that, they've, they've felt that definitely. Um, and the answer, if you assume that that's not just all, just the way the world's going, it's all coincidental, if you assume that there is some directing hand in it, then the directing hand uh, is is directing it for that reason that uh, Chancellor Sutler in that video just said it, it, it's a it's power and control by certain people in positions of power of power over or of authority over the people that's that's what drives them mm-hmm. and these things serve that agenda very well so it's whether or not there's an agenda uh, you have to decide whether or not you think there's an agenda within high high-level political circles to keep the population afraid and and controlled. And it's it's just a a call you can make. You can make it one way or another. You can decide that it's all just, oh, things are just going pretty shit. And, uh, you know, things that they're on the downward, downward, downward trending, basically, in terms of society and, you know, economically and all that kind of stuff. And that's just the way things go. It just happens that, w- that way. Or if there is some kind of an agenda to push it in that direction in order to, again, control the population. Uh, and it's not, it's not a strange, you know, uh, strange idea, you know. It's not, it's not an outlandish idea, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's presented that way, it's immediately discredited with the, by the term conspiracy theory, but it's not an outlandish idea. Uh, and especially when it provides a coherent explanation of why, you know, to, to fill in in the, in the minutiae and in the details of how uh, there's discrepancies in officials' accounts of how these trauma-inducing events happen and stuff. I mean, if they can't get their story, story straight, um, that suggests that there may be some deception, and if there's some deception, it points to there being that it being orchestrated in some way, or being planned in some way. Yeah. Um, and it's something you can explore. You don't have to dive in and jump in the deep end and swallow it whole or whatever, but you can think about it and consider it and see if it makes sense to you, because it makes sense to some people and won't make sense to others. You know. Um, well, I still think the Las Vegas one was related to Russia intervening in Syria. I know that's like, what the hell? But sometimes the national, what's going on domestically in the United States and what's happening internationally mm-hmm. are, are connected. To distract people. To distract, to prevent, to make sure that over the next month, because it lasted a month, the news cycle in the United States was not describing Putin's intervention in Syria crushing ISIS. Instead, it was, oh, random terror attack. No, random. I didn't use the term terror attack. That's what it was, though. They said random mass shooting. The mm. worst ever, indeed. It was 50-some people killed. Um, yeah, although to, Russia went to Syria in 2015, officially. You're thinking of the... Oh, Cal- I'm thinking of something else. You're thinking of the Caliber cruise missile launch or something? Yeah, right? Las Vegas was 1st of October 2017. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know why I, I connected that. Anyway, at the time, the mind does wonder. You're like, okay, what are they trying to distract us from? But sometimes, like Scotty said, it's, there need not be a clear... Well, it was evolving. Like, Russia was in Syria from 2015, but then it really built up on... Uh, by the end of December, at, in December 2017, uh, the Russians said that they would, they would... They're in Syria permanently, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was around the end of... Uh, 2017 that uh, Russia was kind of had definitive there was, you have to look at the actual events mm-hmm. but there may have been something that connected the two you know what I mean in the sense that uh, uh, bigger events in terms of Russia's uh, Russia kind of really winning the war America's proxy war in, in Syria you know around that time you have to look at the specifics you know um, anyway speaking of the great and the good they were all at the um, all in Davos this week still are were they? Went on Sunday or Monday or something, mm-hmm. and World Trade Organization, right? World uh, or not? Uh, is it WTO? World Economic Forum. Well, WF. There's so many. Not to be confused with. Not be confused with the WWF. No, <laughs> although there are some similarities. Um, yeah, they've all been having a good chat. They're talking about what they're going to do to, well, control the world. Basically, um, did I send you this one? No, I'll send you this one. This is. I have a couple from Australia, but. They've all been, a lot of them, most of them have been reading from the same kind of song sheet. Um, this is Helen E. Clark. She's an Australian government, uh, kind of like online security, online safety commissioner or some 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 stuff like that. Um, or no, sorry, no, Helen E. Clark. She's not Helen, sorry. Helen E. Clark, she's also Australian. She is, um, let me just look her up here, uh, get the exact, she is, sorry, she's a New Zealand politician. Uh, and she was 37th Prime Minister of New Zealand uh, until 2008. And now she's just a talking head, basically. But anyway, uh, you can play that. This is her at Davos. Um. <laughs> With a rabbit rabbit. The reality is that political resolve to fight COVID is waning. Popular support for measures is, is waning. You know, people are over COVID. The problem is it's not done with us, but we're in danger of losing this moment for transformative uh, change. And let's face it, people are still dying in significant numbers every every day. People are still developing long COVID every day. Uh, Low-income countries uh, are horribly, horribly under-vaccinated. We've got issues here and now. And no COVID. Another reason is that the package of things that has to happen is trans-sector, and there hasn't yet been an effort to try and bring together a, a head of state and government level focus on the range of things that needs to be done. We said this needs a special session at the General Assembly. It needs a negotiated political declaration that brings the different threads together. We're talking not just the WHO and health ecosystem. We're talking the WTOs. We're talking the IFIs. We're talking the wide range of foundations, players uh, in the space. And so a, a lot of people are doing bits and pieces, but it's not looking like a coordinated push to get transformational change. We want transformational change. That's what we um, And then just throw up... Uh, the, the, the if only one? we had a global dictator. Exactly. You know, he's listening to Bill Gates talk. was sitting there on that panel. I know, yeah. He would have put his hand up. He, he, I think he was at that panel. Or there's a guy beside him, uh, Kagan. Um, what's his name? Donald Kagan. The wife, the husband of uh, yeah. Newland. He was better. Um, and then, did I send you one there, Scotty, as well? Yeah. Okay, 
this is Julie Julie Grant. She's an Australian um, online safety czar or something like that. Listen to what she does say. We are finding ourselves in a place um, where we're we have increasing polarization everywhere, and everything mm. feels binary Glad when it noticed. doesn't need to be. So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online. You know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to you know to be free from on- online violence or the uh, right of data protection to the right to child dignity. Going to have to revisit and relook at freedom of speech and whether it's possible to have freedom of speech in order to avoid uh, online uh, harm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Here's uh, looking at you, Joe. Yeah, what do you mean? Talking, t- talking truths online. Yeah, scaring people. Facts and stuff. Look, uh, <laughs> we, yeah, it's if you don't, if you're afraid of online harm, there's a simple solution: unplug your computer. You know, go go back and live a normal life. Ah, but here... you can still, well, no, you don't unplug your computer. Just don't go to certain sites. You're not going to get on any online harm on Amazon. You can still shop on Amazon. You know what I mean? Nobody on Amazon is going to. There's no nobody else on Amazon when you're on Amazon. It's just you, you and all of Amazon alone. It's like a ma- being in a massive Amazon warehouse and just being able to browse everything and buy things if you if you want if you got any money. Uh, so. There's all sorts of online activity that people can engage in where there's no harm involved. And if 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 you realize that there's, you know, that certain things are harmful to you, like like reading the truth about something or reading something that conflicts with your opinion about something, if that if that's harm to you, then you shouldn't be on the internet or you shouldn't be on those websites. Don't go to Twitter. If you go to Twitter and you read something that uh, that triggers you because it's uh, it's not what you you believe and you get annoyed and then you start engaging with the person and then they say nasty things to you and then you feel that harm, then simple solution, don't go back to Twitter. Yeah. You, you'd be far better off without it, you know? So the idea, though, that we have to, these, like she just said, that, and there's lots of people like her. I mean, we talked last week about the U.S. trying to uh, set up a, a disinformation czar um, <laughs> who actually, the whole thing with mo- mothballed, mm-hmm. you know, uh, she, the whole plan for disinformation czar was mothballed because she fell victim her in particular, whatever her name is, uh, to disinformation. Or the idea of the disinformations are, there was so much talk about it on the internet and it was so much dif- disinformation that they had to cancel it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but there's obviously people who are, a lot of people who want that on, Bill Gates is one of them who wants it. Bill Gates oh, yeah. wants, he, he's been, control. he's been open about his attempts to take down Elon Musk. He really doesn't like Elon Musk. Well, he's just, a, he's not even a doctor. Like, I mean, you think his domain would be vaccines and stuff, right? And, and, and viruses. But uh, he wants, he doesn't want any alternative narrative to anything, uh, alternative to his narrative on the internet. Yeah. This is why, this is why. The so this is about control. The reason I'm bringing this up is it speaks to the controlling impulse of these people in positions of power, which speaks to what we were talking about before in terms of anything that has a direct impact on society that shapes people's thinking or that kind of stresses people out or terrorizes people in some way or other, you can, you know, it, it, it fits to, with, with, with the, the fact, the evidence that these people in positions of power have this agenda to control, manipulate, uh, censor, shut down, how people think in a particular way. Yeah. So if that's their agenda, then look at any event that happens and, and decide for yourself, does that, if, does that major event that gets all the news headlines, does that uh, 
have an effect on how people think? Or does it shepherd people in a particular way to, towards them thinking in a certain way? Or does it divide people? Because that's part of control as well. The yeah. interesting thing to me is I was, you know, we just listened to those two WWF ladies giving yeah. their whole spiel and just, oh, the one who's saying, oh, you know, everything's so binary. Mm-hmm. And like, but it's people like you who are making it binary. Right. Like abortion, for example. Mm-hmm. Abortion comes up again, Roe v. Wade, all that kind of stuff. And I actually had to post on Facebook and say, uh, you know, I'm actually both. Mm-hmm. It's like... It, they polarize people and then say, like, well, in some instances, yes, pro-choice makes sense. In some instances, pro-life makes sense. But who actually wants to actually – it's like you're not allowed to have – A middle ground. A, a, a middle nuanced. ground. And, you know, then they even have things like, like the, the whole uh, – the, the whole Alex Jones and Sandy Hook thing. or Was it Sandy Hook? The, yeah. the, 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 the actors thing, you know. Where they come out and they say, you know, it's like they. I think they will actually release that as like a, a conspiracy theory that is a real conspiracy theory, so that anyone who says that well something something's not right with COVID, suddenly uh, you can just ignore them. You're one of those Alex Jones people. You're yeah. one of those Alex Jones people, and and it all just. But the interesting thing is, I've had so many people come up to me and say, you know, I used to think blah blah blah, and then you know I looked into this COVID thing, and suddenly I was like. Jesus, you know, and somebody, actually somebody I know, the same thing happened to them on Facebook. It's this woman reporting that she met someone at a store and this was a person who online, they were like hating each other because one was mm-hmm. pro-vaccine for, against COVID, the other was anti, anti-vax. And they met in real life and they started talking and the woman who was anti, or sorry, the woman who was pro-vax went through this whole spiel. She got COVID, blah, 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 and she totally changed her way of thinking and from that point on, she started looking at other things in a different way. Mm. And it's like, it's interesting to me that you, you look into one thing and then you look into another thing and you don't actually start seeing conspiracies everywhere. Mm. You start actually thinking and, and actually yeah. looking at things in a more nuanced that, way. That's the point. That's the point. The point is that, Which is that awesome nuanced, because, nuanced thinking. Because you're not all emotional and crazy. Right. Even though people think, oh, you're seeing conspiracies everywhere. It's actually the exact opposite. Right. Like your life, you're happier. You're calmer because you you have some. Yeah, it's the definition of actually thinking is to realize that any given situation is nuanced and complex, and you need to actually engage your thinking uh, in order to uh, to try and figure out or come to a reasonable approximation of what the what actually happened here, what the likely likely truth is. But if when you do that, it leads you in a certain direction, that it has long before now been set up as wrong think and conspiracy theory, and people are afraid to actually think in that direction. Because they'll be smeared, they'll be they'll be tarnished with. Oh, you're one of those Alex Jones, uh, you know. You probably think Sandy Hook was uh, blah blah whatever. Um, so it's a, it's a very effective way of stopping people from thinking, you know, um, because it's it's wrong thinking. It's scary, and you'll be demonized or you'll be you'll be slandered for questioning the official narrative, basically. Yeah, and for for interfering, that's how that's how this these Davos people see it. Mm. You're interfering in the you're, narrative you're, we're building. You're interfering. Yeah. You're not helping. And, of course, the solution to things being very binary these days is to simply remove one of those two options in the binary setup. Only have one. Right? That, that's <laughs> what they would like. I mean, uh, Elon Musk <coughs> is coming in now, and he's, he, he would prefer to open it all back up and have right. a, try and make a level playing field again. He's like, I want to see both opinions argued out in right. the light of day, and we'll see, we'll see how things develop from there. Naturally, right? right? right. But he, 
he's either he's not understanding or he's maybe he's not so naive. Maybe he does understand, but he's going to push this anyway, see how far he can get. These people are determined and they will kill to get what they want. They believe they've already thought it through and there's no need for any extra thinking about this. Mm-hmm. It's just time to have action. We'll do your thinking for you. Look, here's another little clip from Davos last week. This is the CEO of Nokia. Mm. Let's hear what he has to say about what's coming down the pipe. It, it will, first of all, it will definitely happen. I, 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 I was talking about 6G earlier, which is around 20, 2030. I would say that by then, definitely the smartphone as we know it today will not anymore be, be the usual kind of the most common interface. Wow. It's, it's many of these things will be built directly into our, our, our bodies. And one of you first. It's not just Klaus Schwab. These people mm-hmm. are convinced that in the next eight years, we will all be bionic. Eight years. They're also, we've heard it before, um, Angela Merkel and Macron France and Germany are determined there'll be no diesel cars on the highways mm. by eight years' time. Mm. I mean, they're going where it, they don't brook any, there's no debate here as far as they're concerned. Yeah. And they're determined and they're going to wreck as much as they don't realize. Well, no, they do realize, oh, they don't care, whatever. They're going to hurt a lot of people to do what they believe is right. Mm-hmm. They don't care. But there's an awful lot of people anyway, so it doesn't really matter if you have a few slip off. Slip off the edge, you know, or even quite a lot. That's the other thing people don't understand, and it's it's elementary in, in trying to see, you know, trying to get a better appreciation, a better understanding of how the world actually works in terms of the power structure and the hierarchy and governments, etc., uh, and the relationship to the people, is that people in positions of power, by definition, see themselves as being better than the average person in the street. Because otherwise, why do those people elect them? Why am I in this position where all these people elected me to a position in power? Uh, where I get to make decisions for these people if, if by definition, I'm not better than them. Uh, so there's a, immediately there, there's a pull to kind of like an egotism and a, a self-centeredness and a grandiosity, you know. And, and people who seek that position almost have that al- already. The, they're few and far between the ones who are genuinely motivated to use their talents to help the ordinary person, right? Um, but also... The way they look at people in the world, like any country, you know, France, U.S., imagine the U.S., like politicians in the U.S., 330 million people. Do, they, do you think they have a direct relationship? They feel that they have a direct relationship with each individual person. Those, pe- those people are numbers to them. When they die in mass shootings or they die in, in, in whatever way, it doesn't matter. If they die from viruses, it doesn't matter to those people. They don't care about you. And there's something we said about uh, that was relevant to COVID as well is that Doctors have the same approach, and they almost have to have it by necessity. You know, you can't develop, you can't have a personal relationship or personal uh, develop a personal relationship or a personal feeling for your patients because first of all, you don't know them; they're not your family. You've never met them before, and second, they very might likely die. So, you know, there has to be that distance. You know, and and much was talked about uh, was talked about a lot over the COVID thing about how doctors during the COVID period were how doctors make decisions all the time, have done for years, who live and who die. We've got, a, we've got one ventilator and there's an old guy and a young guy. Old guy, sorry, he's going to die. Because he's going to die anyway, so it doesn't matter. So there's that cavalier attitude towards the lives of ordinary people that is, that is a reality and always has been a reality and it's in medicine and it's in government as well because it's the same relationship. Uh, but ordinary people don't seem to be able to understand that or grasp that. They, 
if they're talking to a doctor, they, they think the doctor's like their daddy. If they're talking to a politician, appeal to your politician. He'll help you. He loves you. He really wants to see you see your problem solved. You know, it's a very childish and naive way to look at the world and relationships between people, especially people you don't know and people who are in positions of power, who by definition of being in positions of power tend to be most interested in themselves. Yeah. So that's the kind of elementary thing that needs to shift in a lot of people to understand the world that they live in for them to, to even to begin to start to figure out uh, or understand why things are happening the way they're happening or w- the things that are actually transpiring. Anyway, uh, the main news this week, Neil, you'll be glad to know. Mo- moving on to a different topic. The main... Yeah. Did you want to do do more? Well, I have... Uh, the, do we want to do yeah, the w- more Davos? Yeah, they produced a new video, you know, like that great one where by 2030 you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah. Um, do you have it? I think I sent it to you just mid-show. Yeah, that's it. So moving on. Moving on. The major news this week is that you'll never you'll never guess. It's about Russia, about Ukraine, specifically about Putin is Hitler, Ukraine is paradise. It's worse than Putin is Hitler. No. If Putin's Hitler, it's good news. Put it up there, Scotty. Uh Putin is Hitler, that's really good news. <clears throat> I saw that. Oh my god. <laughs> Daily Express, Vladimir Putin, quote, could already be dead with body double taking his place. Talk about wishful thinking. I mean, it's just like what you want to happen, you know, uh, put it out there as a news article. In fact, this supposedly, and I have no reason to disbelieve him, is that it comes from an MI6 source. Right. So British intelligence really, really wants Putin to be dead. So they're going to come up with the idea that maybe he's using a body double. Because, you know, when I see Putin on TV and he looks like he's still alive, I wish he was dead because he's really messing with our plans. So maybe if I say that, I, I think that could be a body double. He could be dead already. I'd really like to believe he's dead already. So I'm going to say that he's dead already. I'm going to tell the media that he might be dead already. They'll put it out there and see if that actually makes it happen. <laughs> That's the people running the country, by the way. I don't think it's so much that they fool themselves, but that they... We're trying to... It's it's kind of weird, and the one they're trying to fool people. So in this case, there will be a British tabloid. They'd be fooling ordinary working class Brits. Alone. But is it fooling them? In some cases, depending on the person, it might actually be a service that's wanted. They might see it that it provides succor, to, it gives it gives kind of an emotional support. It's a cope. As they say, yeah. Well, if copium, it's copium. You know, yeah. Karl Marx, you know, yeah. Uh, religion is the opiate of the masses. Is the copium of the masses? That's if you see it from a leftist materialist point of view. But actually, copium is the opiate of the masses. Well, where 
you bullshit them with stuff that makes them feel good in the short term. I think that like kind that of guy stuff. who said to me when I said, you know, the ghost of Kiev isn't real. And he, he replied to me on Twitter. I, it's not mm-hmm. really important whether he's real or not. It's the story. Well, of course, but he's speaking to the reality of, you know, the reality behind the, or the point behind the, the information war and why the information war is so important and why it's waged so strenuously by, by, by governments because it's seen as, it's propaganda, right? And propaganda can potentially have a, a tangible real-world result. I mean, so you can make stuff up, you can lie, you can bullshit, you can say, you know, Putin's dying, Putin's sick, Putin's failing, Putin's going to be kicked out by his generals. All uh, his generals are dead. All his generals are dead. All of the Russian tanks are, are blown up. All the Russian army is, is are, are, have got frostbite and have gone home. Uh, they're all baking in their tents like ovens in, in, in the summertime. Whatever. You can say all that because the point of saying all that is is to provide, in a way, provide sucker, but more specifically, to, I think it's more about propaganda in the sense of um, for the Ukrainian people and for the Ukrainian military and also for support from the West, right? So that we're winning, basically, because no one wants to be involved in a, in a game if it's clear you're losing and you're going to lose bigly uh, pretty soon. Uh, okay, I'm leaving this game. I don't want to be on this team anymore. Can I leave now? So I'm walking away, you know. But no, stay on the team because we're winning. Yeah, we're really winning. And so anything that fits into that narrative of we're winning, i.e., Putin's dying, Putin doesn't exist, uh, Putin, uh, you know, is, is using a body double. That all serves that purpose of keeping geeing up the home side. Yeah. But leading them down the primrose path to disaster, to, to a horrible realization that it was all a lie, it was all bullshit, or you know, leading them. Encouraging them to continue in a in a in a in a towards a dead end, basically in a in a in a failing in a failing or failed game. Um, it's not very nice, but you do it. You know, it's it's fair. You know, all's fair in love and war and information and lies and it's as old as war, really. You know what I mean? It's nothing, not something new. You know. Um, but in, anyway, in the meantime, in the real world, in the real world, Ukraine. The whole situation in Ukraine is... I mean, you just have to wade through so much bullshit. Um, they don't care. The summation is that this is, yes, obviously an, Amer- an American proxy war uh, waged by the Americans using the Ukrainian military to do so against Russia. Uh, first and foremost, war is an end in itself. Um, defense contractors, i.e. arms manufacturing manufacturers, weapons manufacturers are very, very happy. They're very friendly with politicians who are who are signing off on these on this war effectively against Russia. Um, so it's an end in itself. They're making a lot of money out of using up stocks of old, very often old, uh, or even new um, equipment that they're sending to, to 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 Ukraine to fight Russia. So they don't need to win. It's a win already. Once you've started the war, it's a win. As long as you can manage it, and it doesn't look like you failed horribly, like as long as you can avoid the optics like they got in last year in Afghanistan, then it's a win. You know what I mean? Um, just having the war. Uh, so that that's a problem in a certain sense. You can't say America lost, although they they have they have their initial agenda of making lots of money. Then they have add-on agendas, which is look, really like to see Russia go down, taking down a peg or two here. You know, really like to see them come a cropper type thing. But that's not happening, and it's unlikely to happen because the Russians are wise to it and the Russians aren't that stupid, and um, there's nothing <clears throat> the Americans can do and their European allies can do in Ukraine to really 
avert the course of, of, of the Russian special military operation in Ukraine, which is proceeding as it more or less was planned uh, from, the, from the get-go. Um, they're pretty much... The, the first, what has been three months, the first two and a half months or so was Mariupol. Because that was a very strategic, half a million people, uh, very difficult, big city. The um, Ukrainians were really well entrenched uh, in that city. It took quite a long time to, to deal with it. But once it was done and, and the uh, Azov style uh, plant was kind of cleared, that freed up a lot of uh, troops to go to, to engage in the second stage of it, which was, you know, carrying on while Mariupol was being was being taken but uh, it's really gone full steam now in terms of controlling Donbass basically two major cities fell yesterday kicking yeah the Ukrainians out of major cities in the Donbass region and establishing Russian control over the full Donbass i.e. the Donetsk and Luhansk um, oblasts or republics uh, on their official official borders Um, and then from there probably uh, further south uh, east, sorry, west of Mariupol along the Black Sea coast over to Odessa, um, who knows, up to Dnipro, uh, crossing the Dnipro River. And you notice that they, uh, the Dnipro River, which runs kind of sort of centrally down through through Ukraine, um, there are bridges there, railway bridges, um, that carry, obviously, railway cars and weapons. Uh, and the Russians, while they've been blown up a lot of taking taking out a lot of railway stations and railway uh, transport hubs, basically were blowing up because a lot of Ukraine's uh, trains, about eighty percent of their trains are electric, so they blow up the substations which basically power the electric trains. And they've done that in many different areas, particularly in the west of Ukraine, in order to stop the transport of of American and European weapons. But they haven't destroyed any of the bridges crossing the, the Dnipro River because which carry trains, right? Mm-hmm. Because they want to use them. Later. I.e. they want to cross them. That's an assumption, but... Maybe. Um, and or I, to... I wonder to, to why facilitate, they didn't. To facilitate retreat of possibly. Ukrainian well, fighters and civilians. Maybe. maybe. Civilians, yes. Possibly, yeah. They're not too concerned about treating Ukrainians. Um, they're ha- more than happy for them to surrender, which they haven't been doing en masse. Um, yeah, so once, once Mariupol happened and... It, it was almost like there was a propaganda coup there and taken in, in the defeat of the the heroes of Azovstal um, because in the past week they've just been they've been going the Russians have really been making a lot of progress in, in um, and they've been the Ukrainians have been retreating <clears throat> and the thing is they've been the the ones that can retreat have been retreating a lot of them are, are being captured or killed um, but. They have the Ukrainians established along those those lines that that uh, that the Russians are now pushing them back from, and you're talking about bunkers and trenches and all that kind of stuff, extensive that were built up over the past eight, eight years, years yeah. for the express purpose of invading Donbas. Uh, they're basically leaving those now and retreating, and it took them eight years to build up those th- those lines, those defensive lines, or those uh, uh, offensive lines. Um, and they're retreating now out of those, and they can't just re-establish them. There's some some talk of them trying to re-establish new lines further back west, but you can't do that in in, in a week or two, especially with the speed of the, the Russian advance. You know, so and we also noticed this week since the Azov style thing came to a close and Mariupol was you know fully kind of taken, 
there was a real change in, in the media. They stopped talking so much, apart from The Sun, which talks about <laughs> Putin using a body double. The media, the Western media stopped with their Russia's failing, Russia's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Russia's being defeated and stuff, and they're talking now about uh, Russia needing to uh, talk seriously with the Ukrainians to solve this crisis. And you know when that happens that it means that that's a tacit admission that yeah. Russia's winning mm -hmm. uh, significantly, you know. So, um, yeah, but it's hard. You've got to weed through all the bullshit. Well, you have to understand that, first and foremost, most of the Western media reporting on this Ukraine conflict so far has been lies. Almost all of it has been a, either lies or distortion of what is actually happening. Um, so, yeah. They're, they're, but they don't care. They never cared about Ukraine. And, you know, I'd say over the next few weeks, you may even have a wobbling of political positions of, of of the political structure in Kiev because um, once you really start being defeated it's like militarily mm -hmm. who gets the blame you know there's all sorts of recriminations and changes of the guard and we need to do something about this and you're no good you oversaw this and look and we're being defeated we're being routed we need to bring somebody else in the military not being happy with Zelensky you know it'll all you know it uh, it can all go pretty pear-shaped uh, pretty quickly um, and of course what else what the US is going to send in longer range artillery or something not going to make any difference uh, the artillery that they've been sending their <coughs> their um, javelin missiles you know so they sent thousands of javelin missiles in the Ukraine something like 20,000 or maybe maybe that was total anti-tank missiles uh, uh, but anyway, they sent thousands and thousands of, of javelin missiles, and it's very hard to find any videos. And there's a lot of videos. It's hard, hard, hard to find any videos of a javelin missile being used to take out a tank or shoot down an aircraft or whatever. And initially, there was a few videos, but since then, nothing. So, like the whole, they talk it all up. And why do they talk up the javelin missiles? And why does uh, why are some people in Ukraine ending up calling their children, their newborn children, javelin and javelina? <laughs> You know, and, and why does Zelensky wear a T-shirt with uh, with jav some some propaganda about javelins on it? You know what I mean? Well, who does that benefit? Who's trying to make money off this? You know what I mean? Who's mm -hmm. not just in Ukraine, but who's using the sale of their weapons with names like that in Ukraine as a marketing tool for the rest of the world? You know, American defense contractors. So it gets back to the whole war is a racket type thing, mm -hmm. but. So it's a joke, and the whole thing is just a, sor a sad, sorry joke. And obviously it's a tragic joke because it's not even a joke at that point. It's tragic in the sense that uh, America and their European allies facilitating uh, the, uh, an increase in, in the suffering and death of the Ukrainian people, you know. Um, they knew, I'm sure they knew at the very beginning that this, this was going to go the way that, that it was going to go, but the lure of money and, you know, a cr being a strong man or a strong woman in a crisis and all that kind of stuff, it, you know, there was no there was no downside to it for them. You know, they could exploit it and throw shade at Russia, sell a bunch of weapons, and give themselves a kind of a reason to be in their jobs, basically. Uh, yeah, I, and make sure to use it. Never let a good crisis go to waste, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Here, it was very well done at the level of um, maintaining the impetus of, on the one hand, greening the economy, mm -hmm. on the other, the kind of um, continued rollout of centralized 
information slash medical systems right. resulting from lockdown and COVID, mm-hmm. the centralization, the continued centralization of all kinds of decision making, everything. It's mm-hmm. it's control. It's it's exactly. um, it's not just about the COVID. COVID didn't end with the rollout of vaccines. You know, right? It was the means through which the increase of the use of fam- familiarity at this point with QR codes mm-hmm. that everyone has mm-hmm. with um, the, the, an integrated system, you know, a digital network that would every ever centralize, like we saw this Nokia guy say, you know, by 2030, you're going to have implants in your body. You won't need I'm a like, phone. Dude, awesome. go ahead. You go first. Show us what it's like. You know what I mean? I want him to stick stick whatever implants and show how awesome they are whenever it's like... You know, everybody starts bleeding from his eyes and stuff. I'll be like, okay, thanks for the demonstration. <laughs> See you later. Um, yeah, the whole thing is a, is a joke, you know. And again, it speaks to what we're saying about the corrupt nature of people in, in, in positions of power. Not just corrupt, but, you know, immoral at the very least. Amoral at the very least, or immoral or evil at worst. Uh, if you just throw that one up, Scotty, it's an example of, um, you probably... This has been talked about before, I think, but Germany deliberately watering down EU embargo on Russian oil. So they'll talk about, yeah, let's embargo Russian oil. We're going to cut off all Russian Russian oil supplies, and we're just going to do that. And then they go, hang on a minute. Don't we use Russian oil? Don't we need Russian oil for industry? Don't we use Russian oil to heat our homes and stuff? Yeah. But anyway, let's just stop using any of it. And it's like, and that's what come out, comes out in their, in their talks and in the media. But then behind the scenes, at least there are some sane heads still prevailing and saying, you know, we can't actually do without Russian oil. You realize that, right? I mean, you can talk about that all you want, but we can't actually stop buying it, right? I mean, we can buy it from proxies or whatever, but we're not, not buying Russian oil in the, in, the, in the near future. And we're definitely not, not buying Russian gas in the near future because it's like, when you just sew up my mouth, like, I'm, so yeah. diplomats, and then there's recriminations. Of course, Kiev doesn't like it and all that kind of stuff, but Zelensky's an idiot, like a puppet. Diplomats accused Berlin of hijacking talks in order to secure wider concessions that would benefit its own co- benefit its own economy. Notice the way they describe it: secure wider concessions that would benefit its own economy. What that means is Germany is trying to say, "Listen, we need Russian oil for our economy to function, our, our industry. So our industry functioning properly is beneficial to us. So we'd like to not have to not buy Russian oil." Is that okay with everybody? No, you traitor. Slava Ukraine. <laughs> and it's like, whatever, it's all just talking, talking points, you know. Um, deliberately watering down the EU's planned embargo on Russian oil imports. It's not a planned embargo. There is no planned embargo, EU-wide at the very least, on, on Russian oil imports. And like you were mentioning earlier on, what they're all doing and have been doing from day one is buying Russian oil Van der Leyen actually said it, right? She, she told it to, to Klaus Schwab at, at this week in Davos. She said, uh, you know what we're doing to screw over Putin? We're not buying his oil. Well, we kind of are. I mean, we're not buying it directly from Russia. We're buying it through an intermediary. And that way, Russia doesn't get our money. And it's like, yeah, he does. Russia does get your money. They just get it through an intermediary. Yeah, but he doesn't get as much of it. We get it at a cheap price, and then we sell it on to dupes in the EU at a higher price, and that's passed on down the line to the dupes in the population who are going to freeze this summer, uh, this winter. Exactly. And that speaks to the real reason Hungary's in trouble. is isn't so much because it's insisting on not going along with an embargo on Russian oil. Mm-hmm. It's because Brussels wants to distribute to Hungary 
how much, when it'll get yeah. of what, oil or gas. Well, that's separate to Hungary. This they, is Germany. They're trying to break what they see as Moscow's incursion on their territory. Mm-hmm. They're trying to break the bilateral trade agreements, not just Germany, but the individual Eastern European countries. R- Russia's whole philosophy is the opposite. They deal right. case-by-case basis with each country, mm-hmm. all the way across to Western Europe, to France. It's not just the neighboring countries. And that is the dirty politics at the heart of this. They want to centralize, again, control of right. how the energy, who gets to say where it goes, how much and when. Mm-hmm. Centralizing control, the same with food as well. Right. Brussels, uh, the European Union ostensibly, I'm putting that in quotes because it's not really as simple as just someone at the European Union arbitrarily decided this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's the venue, the nodal point through which the Western control system operates in Europe. They've decided that they're going to save Ukraine. They're going to save the world from the famine Putin is trying to start mm-hmm. by buying as much as possible of Ukraine's grain right now. Mm-hmm. And then they, Europe, will sell it on to all the countries in need in North Africa, right. in the Middle East, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. At a reasonable price. At a premium. At a markup. Yeah. But the point is control. It's, it's, they want to have the control of a large food resource. Like you said, never let a crisis go to waste, yeah? How yeah. can we make hay out of this situation? Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, in fact, <clears throat> the thing that they're trying to block people's minds with, which is, it's, it's a total reversal, a reversive blockade, where instead the bullshit they're slapping on people's brains is Putin is trying to cause a global famine. In fact, the, if Putin were to do that, which he isn't, they're actually projecting their own intentions onto him. Mm-hmm. If he were, in fact, to make sure that Russia steps in and takes over, th- there would be a more effective distribution of the wheat, not only mm-hmm. Because they're already, it's proven that it already is from Russia. Russia mm-hmm. supplies a quarter of the world's basic grains, I think, mm-hmm. wheats and so on. This, it, they would actually improve the global situation mm-hmm. in terms of proper allocation, um, decent pricing, making sure the food, the grains reach Africa and the Middle East. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a mind job. And like, it's, it's basically the complete opposite to reality. What, what people claim... Yeah. Um, well, the first first boat, first uh, cargo boat or ship basically uh, left the port, Mariupol port yesterday, I think, uh, the first one in, in quite a while, and it was taking st- taking steel from Mariupol from Ukraine or, or Donbass uh, to Rostov-on-Don to to Russia because they it's a ship. I don't know it was a re- scheduled one or they bu- but you know it's presented in the media as uh, Russia stealing. Uh, Ukra- Ukrainian right. uh, steel, but the grain thing is also. I mean, they slap sanctions on Russia, which include, to some extent, to one extent or another, fertilizers and Russian grain shipments. Right? I mean, it's kind of like complicated, but it's are the are is the world allowed to buy Russian wheat? You know, I mean, officially. I mean, it's very murky. They put out these sanctions, and nobody knows. If I buy stuff from Russia, I immediately I go, okay, there's sanctions in Russia. Can I buy anything from Russia? What can I buy from Russia? Who do, you, who do I go to find out what I can buy from, from Russia uh, and to avoid being sanctioned <laughs> by, by the EU or by the Americans? Uh, so 
the Russian Putin or the Russian government basically have said that you know they'll do what they can to uh, facilitate shipments of grain from the ports from Mariupol or from Black Sea ports uh, in, in Ukraine, Ukrainian Black Sea ports. But um, in order for them to do that, for it to make any sense, you'd have to review the sanctions that you imposed on Russia and what we can and can't. You know what I mean? Do you want grain? Basically saying, like, do you want Ukrainian grain? Okay, we have it now. At least we have a part of it. Do you want to buy it? Or does that infringe your sanctions? Yeah. <laughs> Are you allowed to buy this grain? You better ask yourself if you're allowed to buy this grain. Because we now control it, basically. It's, we've taken this territory. There's silos full of grain. We can ship them out of uh, Mariupol and other Black Sea ports, but we can we can ship them to Europe if you need them. But do you want them? Are you going to pay us for them? Yeah. At the moment, they're trying to get everything for free. Yeah. Which has forced Russia to cut off electricity and other and gas supplies to so far to Finland, Lithuania, because those governments and or the receiving companies on the other end of those bilateral. Tr- agreements with Gazprom, for example, in Lithuania, yeah. they were basically saying, well, the sanctions mean we can't pay you. Yeah, but we'll take your stuff. But just keep sending it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forcing Russia to actually do the dreaded thing that the Americans warned about for so long, cut off the gas to Lithuania. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, yeah, that should be And well then the known. headline, of course, is, oh, there you go, you see, Russia yeah. cut off the gas to Lithuania. Well, like we were talking about earlier on about the, the change in narrative, the change in tone of Western reporting, what's going on in Ukraine, apparently... Throw up that RT one there. You know uh, this, this guy Aristovich. He's a creepy, creepy dude. He's a high-profile Ukrainian presidential advisor, uh, Alexei Aristovich. So apparently, he um, in an interview um, on Wednesday, in response to, and this wasn't really publicised. You probably didn't see this very much in the Western media, but apparently he was responding to uh, what he knew were uh, suggestions by Western powers, the US probably in particular, and the Brits, that Ukraine needs to really seriously think about giving up some territory. Like, basically, you're not winning. We tried to ship a load of weapons that you, you know, to you, and um, it just didn't work, you know. Um, it was never going to work. But anyway, we made some money off it. But anyway, now that you really are, things are looking bad, you need to think about coming to some agreement with the Russians and giving up Ukrainian territory. Um so he responded by saying, go fuck yourselves with such proposals, <laughs> you dumb fucks. <laughs> to trade Ukraine in territory even a little bit. Are you fucking crazy? Our children are dying. Soldiers are sh- stopping shells with their own bodies and they are telling us how to sacrifice our territories. This will never happen. So that's the voice of uh, Zelensky, basically, apparently. It's uh, Zelensky's voice. He holds the same opinion. Um, so the Ukrainians, Ukrainian leadership has been... is is. You know, one and the same, at least in the same mind. They're of the same mind, effectively, as as the West. But they're at the front line, right? And the Ukrainian people, obviously, most particularly, are on the front line. They're the ones who are, you know, maybe living and dying or uh, suffering the the trials of war. Um, the Americans just can walk away. Say, well, we tried. It was fun. Well, at last we made a bunch of money. See you later. Bye bye. Uh, just you, know, you deal with deal with Russia. Go and talk to Russia. They'll. Work it out with Russia, will you? Just whatever. I don't know. What are the political realities? What's the military realities on the ground? Do, do, you, have, do you have any soldiers in Donbass? No. Who, who's in Donbass? Russia. Maybe you should give it to them. Go oh, fuck yourself. What do you want to do? Give us more weapons. 
Nukes. Give us nukes. Let us nuke them. No, we have to go. I have to go to Davos here. I have to go and talk to Klaus Schwab. I'll talk to you later, okay? Yeah. What are you going to do? So uh, they're nuts, obviously. And I mean, I don't know. That's the kind of, that's the bastard children of America right there in the Ukrainian government, you know? Yep. It's exactly the class of people who produce the the leadership of the United States of America. Yeah. Brzezinski, Eastern European, anti-Soviet. A few stirred up Muslims. The Kagan family, Kaganovich, um, Russian emigres, Russian Empire emigres, Lithuanian, I think. Yeah. Again, virulently anti-Russian. Um, from their grandfather on down to the current crop, Newland and Kagan. Mm. Um, Applebaum, Polish emigre, likes Brzezinski. I mean, their whole... They come to America, they rise to the top, and then they completely orient its entire foreign policy on hating Russia, like, with a vehemence that, you know, only is shared with this crop, right? current crop in Kiev. Like that's like that's a viable life strategy. Madeleine Albright. I hate Russia. not her real surname, <clears throat> by the way. Eastern European, mm. brought up, reared on, gets the power in the United States on the fuel of killing Russians. Kicked out of Belgrade. Oh, the other guy, uh, Soros. Yeah. Yeah, they're a weird. Clique. Russia, 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 Russia. You wonder why? You wonder how this erupted a few years ago. I can imagine you're an ordinary American. I mean, like generations back, you're American. You know, it doesn't matter where you're from. You're American. And then, like, in 2014, it begins, and it picks up in 2016, of course, Russiagate. And then they're starting to talk to me. It's like, Russia, Russia, Russia. I'm fucking sick of hearing about who's, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's your current leadership. And yeah. it, it speaks to their mind and how freaking obsessed they are about bringing down Putin's Russia, they'll say. But really, it's yeah, owning Russia. more basically. than that. It's, it's about... It's too big. Russia's too big for them to... Uh, to for them to have any real faith in their dreams of ruling the world, you know, Russia and China standing in the way. You don't, you know, if you don't have Russia and China, you don't really have the world at all, you know. Uh, last one, take it up there, Scotty. Uh, interesting little tidbit from um, it's actually an audio leak that details China's plan to invade Taiwan, and of course we saw this week that when asked about. What would happen if China invaded Taiwan? Sleepy Joe said that they would defend Taiwan militarily. Mm. And then his own people had to walk it back. Had to go, uh, no, we'll do the same thing in Ukraine. We'll send ta- sell, <laughs> sell Taiwan a shitload of useless weapons, make a shitload of money, and then walk away. Doesn't sound like a very, very friendly strategy. Like, but So it's better not to say that and say, yes, we will... We will support them militarily. We'll, we won't defend them. We'll support them. What's the difference? I don't know. No boots on the ground, basically. Uh, but it's interesting. Yeah, so audio leak suggesting that, I mean, whether it's true or not, it's on a Chinese uh, YouTube channel, and it's in Chinese, obviously, uh, but it seems to be possibly maybe authentic. Certainly, it's real in the sense that the Chinese do have a plan to invade Taiwan. Uh, that they may get to sooner rather than later, maybe later this year. Uh, and when that happens, yeah, I don't think anything's going to happen. America's not going to do anything at that point. No, no, no. Not a thing. No. 
it's over. It's it's all this is just screaming, you know, yeah, screaming past the graveyard. Although China would have to be provoked to invade Taiwan because of continued American, you know, provoking of 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 China, you know, by their activities in Taiwan. You know, I don't know what it would cause. I don't know if the if the Chinese actually need a specific red line or if I have a specific red line that would be crossed or if they have a plan, they're just waiting on the time to do it, basically, because America has already gone far enough in terms of sticking, you know, uh, troops and weapons and has, you know, got its claws into Taiwan many years ago and China has just decided that, um, you know, that has to change. It's already gone too far and we'll just choose our own time or if there'll be some particular, you know, uh, event that would provoke the Chinese to to respond, but I don't think the Chinese would do that. I don't think they'll respond to. No, it's it's their timeline now. I think yeah. the U.S. has already played its trump card. Yeah, COVID. Yeah, that was their last hmm. trump card to stop the rise of China hmm. to derail it. Didn't work. Twenty twenty economic growth five percent, maybe it was two percent revised down, hmm. still grew, and last year like. <laughs> Back up to seven this year, ten again. I mean, it's unstoppable, and this will continue. It's projected to continue every year until twenty fifty. Mm. At which point, there will be you know one point five billion middle income, middle class Chinese. Um, and the only question is for the rest of the world: Will there be a concomitant number of military bases, Chinese military bases, all around the world? Mm. They have one that we know of overseas in. Djibouti, right? Which interestingly is right next to Somalia, where Biden saying actually we're going back in. You know, so maybe there's some ongoing efforts to sustain hegemony, but it's a failing. It's such a they're losing. Yeah, they're losing. The only matter is uh, the only issue is. Um, it's not the only issue. It's it's everything. It's how much damage is going to co- be caused is, by is going to be incurred because this will not be a peaceful transition. Because it won't go quietly. The British Empire peacefully transferred to Washington. Nothing changed because they were of one mm-hmm. culture, mm-hmm. class, race, mm-hmm. ethos. That was easy. This is this, but this is really trans- do look at them and go. There's no one to transfer to. Yeah. This is these this people is the are, end. are barbarians. As much as you know, they talk and they welcome a few of them into their club. You're a globalist like us now, but on the <laughs> whole, they look at them and they go, "No, it's it's the world." I think they would. I don't know. If, I don't think they consciously do it, but I think they would prefer to see a world on fire than a world successfully managed. Well, if you won't, if you won't transition power us. peacefully, then. It, happens violently effectively mm-hmm. in the same in, in the same political transitions and stuff if you within a country yeah within as country. within as without yeah so globally it's the same if you don't uh, see the writing on the wall realize that your time is done and then let things go if you fight to the last ukrainian or last taiwanese or last european whatever or last american uh then yeah you see chaos and uh, you don't care and you try and make a buck out of out of the, out of the crisis you know yeah okay so i think we'll leave it there for this week's this week, folks, it's been uh, pretty much over two hours. Have you have you got anything else to say, or uh, have you are you all? Sp- I'm all out of bubble gum. All out of bubble gum. 
So you're, you're going to kick some ass? Definitely. Whose ass are you going to kick? Nah, no one's. I'm, go- I'm, I'm going outside. Got to get outside the kick ass. Yeah, I've been indoors all day. Are we going to be doing a show next Sunday? Maybe not. Don't know. We have an event. Scotty, are we going to be doing a show next Sunday? You're deciding. Scotty, you, you might be doing a show <laughs> next week. Scotty's, Scotty's got an event. Do you want to tell him what your event is? Uh, my event is uh, on Saturday. I'm getting married. There you go. So it depends on what happens at the ceremony and the party that at the nuptials. Yeah, I'm guessing no one's going to feel like doing a show next week, but we, we'll see. We could do maybe. a we could do a horribly hungover show if if, that, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind that. I mean, we could just sit here and go, "Oh God, I'm fuck, I hate my life." It might actually be a pretty good, funny show. You never know. Yeah, so. yeah, we could just uh, we'll, we'll wing if it we, if we feel like it. Yeah, we'll see, but we'll let you know closer to the time anyway. Uh, yeah. So anyway, thanks for watching, listening, commenting. Always good to. What does he say? Who feels cooler in a Hawaiian shirt, Joe Nell or Scott? Me. I feel cooler. I am cooler in a Hawaiian shirt. Anyway, yeah. Thanks for watching, listening, <coughs> commenting. Don't forget to smash all the buttons. We'll be back possibly next week. We don't know. We'll let you know. Uh, until then, have a good evening, day, morning, whatever it is, wherever you are. See you later. Thanks for watching. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. Can't stop the signal now.